This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. If you've been taking a baby aspirin to prevent a heart attack, it may be time to revisit that routine. I'll tell you about new guidelines. And it's being dubbed a manifesto against ageism. I'll talk to American activist Ashton Applewhite about her new book, This Chair Rocks. But first... Here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The highlight for seniors in this week's budget was the move to allow low-income seniors to earn more cash before the guaranteed income supplement is clawed back. But there's another measure to help working Zoomers, the introduction of Advanced Life Deferred Annuities, or ALDAs. Currently, annuity payouts must start by age 71. An ALDA would allow us to defer payouts until the end of the year we turn 85. We would be able to hold ALDAs worth up to 25% of our registered retirement holdings for a maximum lifetime value of $150,000. China is set to raise pensions by 5% this year. It's the same increase as last year, but lower than the 5.5% increase in 2017 due to moderating economic growth and a rapidly aging society. This should bring the average monthly payout to just over 400 U.S. a month. The raise will benefit 118 million retirees across China. The government figures that the number of people over 60 will reach 255 million, or 17.8% of the population, by 2020. The idea of paying reparations for slavery to black Americans is once again on the table. The issue is now in the spotlight after being raised by a number of Democratic presidential candidates, including Senators Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. The concept of repaying African Americans has been around since the Civil War. Some experts have calculated the worth of black labor during slavery as anywhere from billions to trillions of dollars. Police are investigating after a group of Ontario seniors became ill from pot-laced brownies served at a community lunch in Whitestone, Ontario. Some attendees began seeking help about an hour after eating the chocolate brownies served as a dessert option at the community centre event. They reported symptoms from dry mouth to dizziness to disorientation. Test shows the cause was marijuana, and police are now investigating to see how the cannabis-laced brownies made their way onto the menu. If you think you're too old or out of shape to try weight training, think again. A Finnish study on the emotional impacts of lifting weights finds that older people can build motivation and confidence in addition to strength and muscle mass, 
and this can motivate them to continue exercising. Most of us lose 5% of our muscle mass each decade, and this can lead to frailty. Lifting weights can slow or reverse that descent. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. For years, daily low-dose aspirin was prescribed as a magic bullet to prevent heart attacks, strokes, and other cardiovascular disease. Older Canadians were advised to undertake this regimen whether they had heart problems or not. Now there's evidence that the risks outweigh the benefits. The American Heart Association released new guidelines, and I reached Dr. Mark Ruel at the Ottawa Heart Institute. It used to be that if one perceived that their risk of having a heart attack was elevated either due to family history or personal risk factors, uh, one aspirin a day would be a, a recommendation. Well, in fact, this has changed and it's, per, it's felt now based on recent data that it's probably more likely to be associated with harm uh, unless someone has already had a heart attack and all the other risk factors for heart disease are controlled. This one aspirin a day just to prevent having a first cardiac event like a heart attack or severe angina or the likes is no longer indicated. Aspirin, despite being used very commonly in the wider public, is not devoid of side effects. It can cause stomach ulcers or more commonly called peptic ulcers. It can can cause erosions in the stomach lining. It can increase the propensity to bleed. It can actually most definitely increase the likelihood of having a gastrointestinal bleed because of those two effects being combined. So it's not without risk. And actually, where the money lies is with controlling the risk factors for heart disease. So uh, having a more active lifestyle, uh, losing excess weight, treating the cholesterol. If someone is diabetic, really focusing on diabetic control, uh, managing blood pressures. This recommendation are just for people who have no particular risk of heart disease, right? The money lies with uh, preventing uh, heart disease by focusing on its classic risk factors rather than using aspirin as a kind of a miracle drug. So if someone has hypertension, high blood pressure, uh, if someone has diabetes, if someone has excess body weight, uh, the given person should focus on that rather than hope that an aspirin a day is going to do trick and not address the risk factors. Aspirin may still be prescribed for someone who does have risk factors, right? Yeah, and it may also be prescribed for someone who has already had had a heart attack. Actually, this is quite different. If someone has a history of cardiac events, then they should be on aspirin in most cases. What about um, the effects of aspirin causing bleeding? Aspirin inhibits platelets, so it impairs the function of platelets. In addition, it constricts the blood vessels of the stomach. Uh, And in some areas that relate to ulcers of the stomach as well. So you can imagine the combination. If the blood vessels are constricted and more likely to be eroded just from the chemical action of aspirin, and you add to this an increased propensity to bleeding because of the uh, impairment of platelet function, then you have a cocktail which in a large population will lead to more bleeding complications, especially 
stomach ulcer type of complications in patients who take aspirin. There have been some recent studies showing gender differences and the differences the way medication affect men and women, especially in heart disease. Does this recommendation take that into account? About one-third of cardiovascular research uh, has data that's specifically useful to women. So the majority of data that we have in cardiovascular research is not readily applicable uh, to women. So there is a gender gap. And at my institution, at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute, we have focused uh, very heavily on, on this. And we have a Canadian Women's Heart Center, which uh, as one of its priorities, tackles this issue. The biggest bang for the buck with respect to decreasing morbidity, uh, the decreasing uh, health consequences of heart disease is with prevention and with healthy lifestyle. So, so I think these studies are important. These guidelines affect very wide populations, affect almost literally every Canadian. And, and it really targets the main killer of Canadians, which is still cardiovascular disease in at least 40% of us. That was Dr. Mark Gruel at the Ottawa Heart Institute. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Call it a manual with everything you need to know to push back against ageism. Author Ashton Applewhite says she wanted to erase many of the myths about later life. I reached her in New York City. I was afraid of getting old. It was about, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago. I was in my mid-50s. And um, being a bull by the horns kind of person, I started looking at longevity and actually interviewing older people who work, people over 80 in the workforce. And what knocked me upside the head was not that fascinating older people were doing very interesting things in the world, but that how much of, so much of what I thought I knew about aging and what it would be like to be that old was way off base, way too negative or flat out wrong. How do you think our society arrived at this? I mean, when you look at a lot of traditional societies, they revere older people. Well, uh, we moved from a very age-integrated society in the 19th century um, into a very age-segregated one because of a, a couple of people started living longer. People in, in, in Before the Industrial Revolution, most Americans didn't even know how old they were. Age was not an important social indicator. And it became one. School got divided up into grade schools. Nursery schools got created. All senior residences got created. And, and old age started to be conceived of as, as a problem, in a sense, a social problem to be solved. And we also became a hyper-consumer, hyper-capitalist society, which tends to peg the value of a human being to their conventional economic productivity, which is terrible for children and terrible for older people, um, which, and that, that, and, and ageism is discrimination against people on the basis of age. We see how we use the words old and young. You know, do you use old as a substitute for insert bad thing, depressed, debilitated, um, and young to mean sexy or cheerful when in fact we can feel those things, you know, at any stage in our life. The exciting part is once you get past the really uncomfortable part of saying, ooh, this is, I, I'm part of it. I am prejudiced myself. Then you start to see it in the culture at large, and that is really liberating. 
What about the language? The language that is used, if you forget something, it's a senior moment. There's a whole thing called elder speak where people talk yeah. down to older people, calling them young lady or dear. Uh, what yeah. about all of that? How, how does that play into it? Well, it creates self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, if you blame every uh, you know time you can't remember where you put the car keys on the fact that you think you're getting Alzheimer's, which you almost certainly are not, if you can't remember what keys are for, that's very worrisome. But young people forget things, too, all the time. I mean, when I lost the car keys in high school, I didn't call it a junior moment. Elder speak is, is when we do call older people sweetie or dearie. It's condescending. Nobody likes it. Even people with severe dementia who are spoken down to in that way become agitated. Now that we're all living longer, people have to work longer to fund it. Uh, You know, the idea of retiring at 65, if you're in good health, I mean, that seems crazy. There are all kinds of interesting deals and trade-offs that could be made here. I mean, if older people are forced out of the workplace, who is going to support us? We are also facing a labor shortage in many key industries. There is also tons of data about the business case for retaining and and, uh, older workers. You know, we know that diverse workplaces make more money. We know they work better. We know they're better places to work. So it's really, I mean, this is why we need a grassroots movement against ageism. What about the narrative that pits older people, now baby boomers, against millennials? In general, older workers and younger workers do not compete for the same jobs because we have different skill sets. If the only job in town is at the local hardware store, of course, younger and older workers will be lining up for it. But that is a labor market problem, not a too many old people problem. And this process of pitting old against young, that's what prejudice does. All of us at any age are subject to these macroeconomic trends, the gig economy that are destabilizing the job market for all of us. So older forces to work against this rather than fall for the old trap of way of thinking that it's old versus young. All prejudice is based on othering, seeing a group of people as other than ourselves, whether it's other nationality, other skin color, other sports team. The weird thing about ageism is that that other is our own future older self. Ageism is based in denial, our reluctance to acknowledge that we're going to get old, that we might even be old. So I really like the idea of becoming an old person in training. It's just an imaginative act, right? It's just a flip of a switch inside your head where you acknowledge someday, someday I'm going to be old. It can be as distant, that older you can be as far off on the horizon as you need her to be. When you're young, it's really, really hard to imagine being old. That's not ageism. That's human. That's just being human. That was activist Ashton Applewhite on her new book, This Chair Rocks. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Now on stage at the Royal Lyceum Theatre in Edinburgh, Scotland, a new musical based on the 1983 classic Local Hero. Mark Knopfler, who composed the music for the movie, has written the music and lyrics for the new production. 
An exhibit devoted to the professional commitment and talent of Italian women artists from the late 19th to the early 20th century is on display at the Gallery Uffizi in Florence. England's Royal Air Force Museum is offering you a seat aboard a Lancaster bomber to relive the legendary Dam Busters raid of 1943. The trip uses virtual reality technology to recreate the runs. And some of the most iconic photographs that detail the Cuban Revolution have gone on display at the University of Oregon's Museum of Art. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, William Smokey Robinson celebrated his 79th birthday. Born and raised in Detroit, Smokey Robinson was a backbone of the Motown sound. His band, The Miracles, was one of the first acts signed to the famous record company, and Robinson served as a songwriter for many other Motown acts. During the 1960s and early 70s, he penned hits like Two Lovers, The One Who Really Loves You, My Girl, Don't Mess With Bill, You Beat Me to the Punch, Get Ready, The Way You Do the Things You Do, and many other singles from the label's now legendary catalog. Right now, we'll hear Smokey sing one of the biggest hits he had with the Miracles, here is Shop Around. You better shop around. Oh, yeah, you better shop around. Shop, shop around. Ah, oh, there's that I want you to know now. That was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles with Shop Around. Smokey celebrated his 79th birthday this week. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.